0: This is College Hockey Southwest Live for November 8th, 2020. Tonight's special guest is Michael Weissman, Director of Communications for the NCHC. College Hockey Southwest Live is brought to you by Verizon Wireless. See verizonwireless.com for the best deals on America's most powerful network. By Bell Ford. See our award-winning dealership at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix or go to bellford.com. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Three Valley Locations or BehindTheMask.com and gear up for the new season on ice or in line. And by Roger Klein's Cancio and Tequila. For the best margaritas and more, go to MexicanMoonshine.com and see how to get your bottle today. College Hockey Southwest Live is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network.
1: Here are your hosts, Paul Hornstein and Scott Strandy. All right, welcome in, hockey fans. Anywhere you may be listening to us, live on the Podbean app. It is the second episode of our newest podcast, College Hockey Southwest Live. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein, joining me from that beautiful palatial estate out on Long Island, New York. Paul, how are you this Sunday evening?
0: Well, uh, it's been a long weekend, Uh, not necessarily a bad weekend. It's uh, I don't know about the palatial estate part, but the beautiful part was definitely <laughs> yesterday and today. It was really, really nice days. Uh, low seventies, sunshine. Uh, after about two weeks of rain and clouds, and this, of course, being the uh, end of the first week in November, uh, it you know you'll take days like this twelve months a year if you can get them, but this ain't San Diego, so.
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm really uh, frustrated because I actually had to put my wipers on for like uh, I don't know two minutes today. So uh, I don't know what's going yeah. on, but you know, and and it yeah. dipped to like 61 this morning when I when I got up and went outside, it was 61 degrees, and I was going like, why oh did my, I move here? Oh my
0: <laughs> lord, how you put up with such nonsense? Ah, I love it. Seriously, love- <laughs> uh, um, you know uh, the I, I I'll well ask Michael. Uh, when he comes on, but I think the, and it's, and and I didn't even think of looking this up because I didn't know why I would need to look it up, but the, uh, and you know, the the press releases coming out of the NCHC say Colorado Springs is the byline. So I'm assuming that's where the offices are. So I am sure that, that uh, our guest tonight, Certainly understands the horror of your having to put the windshield wipers on at sixty degrees. Oh okay. I, my lord! But, what but, is this listen, world coming to? But listen to
1: this: I had to put them on for two minutes, which means like three cycles. Oh, so it, <laughs> it was. A I didn't even know pain. you knew they okay. worked. <laughs> so, so you know, I sent you a, a message today with my proposed plan of where I'm going to be traveling, and I will need more than windshield wipers for three minutes and lots of warm weather when you find out where we're headed because college hockey season is going to start next weekend. Uh, Our teams, of course, uh, Colorado college, Denver university, air force, and of course, Arizona state um, will all be playing pretty much in cold weather this year because Arizona state playing a 28 game road schedule as part of the big 10 an adopted member, if you will, for this year. And of course, Denver, Colorado college and air force are right in the heart of the Rockies. So they, they're, very well-versed in that weather, but as you mentioned, our guest tonight, uh, Michael Wiseman, is going to join us, the Director of Communications for the NCHC. There are so many things to talk about, Paul, that I don't even know if we can cram it in in an hour, but we will give it a shot because uh, college hockey is what we do. As I mentioned, this is episode two of our Sunday night specials, which will run all the way through the Frozen Four, and Let's cross our fingers, Paul, and hope that this COVID stuff stays away and we can continue to, to build on what's happened right now because a lot of good things are happening. ASU announced a new building uh, proposal yep. that's actually got through Phase 1 and just has one more vote to do until they start putting shovels in the ground. So that's a good thing. We know Colorado College has got a brand-new facility being built, as we speak, on uh, right. on their okay. campus. Um, we know There's DU's also of- got a fantastic so.
0: There's there's a, a bunch, bunch of what? there's a few other schools that, or uh, I think Vermont's in the process of at least redoing their building. Um, I think, and there and, I mean it's there's so much noise out there. I, I like I said I just think there's like two or three other schools that uh, have new buildings in the work or just finished new buildings and played in them last year, um, so. Uh, there's a lot of that and that's, that's always a good thing. Uh, you know, and I've just, you know, me, I take the coach approach. Let's get to next week <laughs> and not coach worry coach. about, get, <laughs> let's not worry about getting all the way to the frozen four yet. Can we just worry uh, about there being games next week? <laughs>
1: Well, I know somebody that's probably done a lot of planning on a lot of frozen fours, and that's our guest tonight. We want to welcome in the Director of Communications for the NCHC Conference, uh, Michael Wiseman, is with us. Michael, you got uh, Scott and Paul with you. How are you tonight? Hi,
2: guys. Thanks for having me. Can you guys hear me?
1: Yeah, you're so hear you loud great.
2: and clear. Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for uh, having me. I appreciate you guys uh, giving me the time.
1: Absolutely. We, uh, as I mentioned in the open, Michael, we've got a ton of things to talk about that are so interesting, but just a little background on us so you know where we're coming from. We added Colorado College, Denver, and Air Force Star coverage area in the uh, Southwest, if you will, um, because we thought uh, that would be just the next step after we had ASU now for the past five years. So um, we're excited to have NCHC teams with uh, a crazy COVID year, but Let's start off by just having you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and about the NCHC and the conference.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I heard you guys talking about the uh, the weather there and where the NCHC offices are, are located, so I guess we can maybe start there. Uh, the NCHC headquarters are in Colorado Springs, so you're correct there, Paul. I believe <laughs> that's what you thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, our, our headquarters are, are, in, are close to the Broadmoor Hotel, um, if you're familiar with that, which is a very nice kind of resort hotel. Um, so there, we only have three people that are really kind of full-time staff for us. So it's a very small office. And given the pandemic and everything, we've honestly not even been in there all that much. We've kind of been taking shifts or days of the week to, to rotate. But normally uh, it was three three people and small staff. But um, yeah, located in Colorado Springs. In terms of myself, I've worked for the conference for the last seven years. So I started kind of right when when they dropped the puck for their first games in, in October of 2013. Prior to that, I was the sports information director at Miami University, so a member of the NCHC uh, in Ohio there. I worked there for three years, and and I was actually from, or I'm from Oxford originally, so certainly had some ties there to Miami. And the commissioner of the NCHC is is Josh Fenton, who also worked at Miami when I was there, and that's kind of how I ended up uh, here with this job. So um, a little bit bit of background on me there and, and a little bit about the conference, I guess.
1: Well, Michael, uh, uh, one second, Paul, and I'll, I just Go want ahead. to quickly follow up on this, um, Michael. The uh, there are worse places to live than Colorado Springs. I've been through there twice this summer and and many times before. But what a beautiful place to be! And and I know uh, uh, Jerry Cross always will put out a tweet every now and then of a beautiful sunset over the mountains or something. So uh, uh, there are worse places to be. I whined a little bit today because I had to put my.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, did he pop in and out there technical issues all right so i i can hear you fine michael I, okay. I, I, scott's the guy that uh, uh it, sometimes he pops in and out so i'll i'll ask the
3: uh well
2: i, I was gonna say yeah he, he's absolutely right about colorado springs we i'm very spoiled or we're very spoiled our office is not far from the mountains and we have deer in our you know walking outside our windows or outside our office almost every day and where I live, I live on a little lake, and I can see the mountains. So we're we're definitely spoiled, and, and I appreciate uh, Scott's frustration of turning on the windshield wipers. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's been it's been seventies the last week or so. It's supposed to get a little colder this week, but we, we did have a snowstorm in in September. So it's not always perfect here, but but definitely sunny a lot of the time.
0: Well, uh, now I had a friend that lived in Denver for a while, and he confirmed. Uh, the rumors, so to speak, is it the same in Colorado Springs where it can be 75 one day, a blizzard the next day, and back up to 75 the next day?
2: Absolutely. We had the the (laughs) snowstorm I referenced in September. I think it was 90 or 80s the day before. And then, yeah, you know, 20s and 30s, and we got three, four inches of snow on the ground. And then, you know, that that did last a couple days. But there are days where, yeah, it snows, you know, four or five inches, and then it's in the 60s the next day, and it's gone. So, it's, it's a little bit unique uh, as opposed to maybe some you know, traditional hockey hotbeds like in Minnesota or Michigan where they get you know, a couple feet of snow and it's there for the winter. So uh, we're, we're definitely spoiled. We get our share of 70-degree days even, even in the winter out here.
0: Okay, so you have been working for the NCHC pretty much from the beginning. Now, I don't know if that means you were kind of there when the talk was going around Uh, to form this conference, but can you give people a little bit of background? Because the two leagues that they drew from, the CCHA and the WCHA, um, were long and traditional uh, conferences in college hockey. Uh, Is there any – and I'm not looking for the word – dirt is the wrong word, (laughs) but what was the mindset – and obviously they were right because this conference has been tremendously successful – uh, at the national level, uh, what was kind of the seed that was planted to make these schools decide? You know what we're gonna we're gonna step aside here and form our own league.
2: Sure, good question, and certainly one that, that comes up often. I think it really all started honestly with with Penn State um, and and their expansion program. Uh, obviously, I know Arizona State has modeled a lot from Penn State, and, and both have had success quickly, which is great to see. But When Penn State announced they were going to start a varsity program and in turn that kind of forced the Big Ten's hand because they then had six already, you know, six all sport members uh, supporting men's varsity hockey that forced them to create the Big Ten Hockey Conference that we have now. And so when that was formed, that took Ohio State, Michigan and Michigan State from, like you said, the traditional, you know, CCHA, which was a power conference. And it took Minnesota and Wisconsin, which were certainly two of the more powerful, uh, you know, and historically rich schools in the WCHA and took them out of those conferences. And so I think it left, uh, you know, I was at Miami at the time, so I was uh, somewhat involved with it and certainly was dealing more with the CCHA side of what was going to happen than kind of, you know, knowing what was going on in the the back end. But um, I think there was just some uneasiness both with a couple of uh, WCHA teams and CCHA teams about, you know, how sustainable those leagues would be with, you know, the quote-unquote marquee or, or power schools not being there anymore, um, whether it's drawing crowds to your tournament or TV, uh, you know, ratings, that sort of thing. So I think um, there's just some concern there in some of those schools, uh, whether it was Miami or the University of Denver. Um, I do have to correct you, Scott. I heard you say Denver University there. It's, it's University of Denver, even though I know they they go by D, they go by DU it's yeah, confusing to by DU, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. I'll you do there. that. Sorry. I'll do that
1: several times. <laughs>
2: I'll do that several times. Thank but, you for uh, doing that. <laughs> absolutely. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so a couple schools like Miami and Denver and uh, North Dakota and even Colorado College, I think those four were kind of the original four that, that started kind of having some conversations meeting and meeting about you know what may or may not be. And then from there, they kind of fleshed out what other teams might make sense, and, and we ended up with, uh, well, we, we actually announced our conference in, in the summer of 2011 with six teams, uh, and then later that that uh, year, we added St. Cloud State and Western Michigan as our seventh and eighth teams, but all eight teams were there when we, we dropped the puck in 2013.
0: Okay, so, okay. and I, and, and to give you a little bit of background on myself, I grew up here in, in New York City and Long Island, so... Uh, it, college hockey was not necessarily on my radar, so to speak. Uh, and even being an ASU alum, it got on my radar because they didn't have a team. And I always hated that. Okay. um, But you had a chance, obviously, if you were at Miami, to work with one of the all-time coaches, Enrico Blasi, who's now an assistant athletic director, I think, at Vermont. Or New Hampshire. Providence. Providence. Okay. I knew it was up there somewhere.
2: <laughs> you're in you're the right uh, vicinity.
0: Yeah, I was in the right, yeah, I was in the right neighborhood. Uh, what was it like to work with a guy of that stature?
2: Yeah, Rico was was great to work with, uh, and kind of a, a funny story. I mentioned I'm I'm from Oxford originally, which is where Miami's located. And when I was a little kid, I used to go to Miami games, and, and Rico played at Miami as well. And so right. I actually knew Rico when he was a player at Miami, and I was about five or six years old. Uh, my my dad owned a couple bar and restaurants in the city, and kind of a small college town so he would get to know the players so I actually you know had, had known Rico and I know their their current coach Chris Bergeron as a player as well they played together and um, so it was kind of fun you know remembering as a little kid getting to meet him and then you know 20 some years later you go back to Miami and, and you're working for him and so um, it was kind of neat to to see that and kind of have that unique relationship that we already sort of knew each other you know we didn't know each other right. that well but um, yeah, to, to work with him, he's really a really great guy, a true professional. Um, certainly, you know, knows what he's doing, knows what he wants, knows what he expects. Has high expectations um, for everyone, from you know his players to the equipment guys to the SIDs like myself. So, um, but yeah, it was great to work with him. A lot of fun. Uh, you know, it was, it was uh, unfortunate kind of the way it, it ended there for him, but certainly a 20-year run that was unbelievable. And he put you know Miami hockey. Uh, on the map or certainly continued the tradition that, that George Guazdecki started when, when Rico was playing there.
0: And, and, and I say that, like I said, with all due respect that he's earned because he, he and his program was one of the first college hockey programs that I was aware of and started following when I didn't have any skin in the game with my own university you know, that I'm an alumni of. <laughs> so um, so I, that question came, comes natural to me. Because I always rooted for him. So yeah, uh,
2: he uh, he's a, he's a great person. I mean, um, you know, he, he can come off a little rough to the media sometimes, but um, he's a very caring person. He cares so much about his players, and like I said, even his staff. And you know, I mean, we text every now and then, even still. So um, certainly, you know, I haven't I haven't been in touch with him since he accepted the job at Providence, but. I've um, tried to keep in touch with him even after he left Miami a little bit, and it's good to, to see him at meetings every now and then or hear from him every now and then. So I was glad to see him uh, kind of back in the hockey game a little bit at Providence, and hopefully we'll see him behind the bench here sooner or later. So so
0: Mike, how Mike, is uh, – what is – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Scott, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go I ahead. was going to say ahead. because Michael goes from being the SID for one school to being basically the SID for an entire conference of schools. How much different was going from that job to the the to, to job you currently have? And what were some of the things you expected and some of the things that were unexpected <laughs> in the transition?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because when you work at a school, you obviously interact with my position or my counterpart at conference offices now – you know, I worked with my counterpart at the CCHA, Fred Pletsch, Um, but then also I had my counterpart at the Mid-American Conference. And, you know, I always, you know, I kind of laughed to myself because I always wondered, you know, what do they do? I, you know, I don't really hear from them that much. There's not, doesn't seem like there's that much to do. And then you take, you know, I took over this role and it's like, oh, now, now I see what all they do. And so um, <laughs> it was definitely a bit of an adjustment. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing for me is, uh, I guess, two things. One is you're, you know, when you're at a school, you're focused only on your school but you're also dealing with other sports besides just hockey, right? So if there's a basketball right. game or a football game or a volleyball game, you, you're probably expected to work it, or you might even have the responsibility of that being your sport. Um, here, you know, at the NCHC, at least for the NC, in the NCHC's case, we are only hockey, um, and so it's you know it's it's it was nice for me that I didn't have to worry about that Wednesday volleyball game or something. I, you <laughs> know, for the most part, it was Friday, Saturday hockey games, and it was kind of nice to have a. A set week. But the other difference um, I I think was instead of, you know, again, focusing on one team and having access to student athletes where you really get all those behind the scenes stuff and you can really get into the nitty gritty of one team, you know, taking the ice and in the locker room and stuff, you know, where I'm in Colorado Springs, I'm not with student athletes. I'm not near the teams and at the games often, or at least not that kind of access. And so um, trying to figure out, you know, how do we still provide good content and and content that covers all eight teams instead of just focusing on on one team, right? So team fan bases, we have, you know, I think the best fans in college hockey, and all eight teams have amazing fan bases. But uh, sometimes they can be quick to to tell you if they think you know you're playing favorites for one team or something <laughs> like that. So uh, there was definitely some of that some of that adjustment where you know if you're if you're always kind of cheering for your one team when I was at Miami or you're at your school and you know, even if you lose, yeah, the fans might be mad, but that's kind of it. Whereas here, like, you might be think you're doing something great and the other fans think, well, what, you know, what is this guy doing? So there was there was some of that, but, I, you know, I've learned to, to try and make sure I have balance. And, you know, uh, we just started a 25-days countdown to the season, and, you know, I make sure I have an, an even balance. So, you know, all teams are represented three times, and then, I you know, I have one number left. So um, th- things like that where you're just trying to make sure you're, you know, covering yourself and, and trying to make sure you give – equal representation to all eight teams.
0: So unless, uh, obviously, all eight fan bases are mad at you, you're, you're wondering whether or not you're doing your job right, right? It's well, just see, like I, the broadcasters.
2: I always say if all eight fan bases are mad at me, I'm doing my job perfectly, right? Because yeah, exactly. They're, they're all mad at me, so I must be doing I must be doing them equally because they're all mad yes, at me. Yes, yes, yes. That but, yeah, hopefully everyone is happy. But, obviously, you can't, can't please everyone. But we, we try to have fun with our fans on social media and try to represent all our teams well.
1: Okay, so, Michael, I want to ask you a two-part question here. 2020 uh, has been uh, crazy for everyone, as we know, and um, with you guys really being the dominant conference uh, in college hockey, at least up to this point, and the ranking for the city you still are, um, how how has it been for you to deal with the pandemic and the loss of playoffs and, and not going to the NCAA tournament and now having to refire that all and, and reignite the uh, – the schools and the fan bases.
2: Yeah, so I mean going back to March, it was certainly a, a tough, tough couple weeks or I guess week there. Uh, really feel for our players, student athletes, especially the seniors who, you know, didn't get a chance to really complete their careers as as they deserved, whether that was in our tournament or the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I feel for some teams like North Dakota who certainly, you know, had an amazing team, was number one in, in most of the polls in the pairwise, Minnesota, Duluth going for a potential three peat with, with a loaded team. Uh, University of Denver was a top five team so we really had you know several teams that we thought had a great chance to to compete for a national title and give us five straight so that was certainly disappointing uh for them you know kind of selfishly from a conference standpoint obviously having to cancel our tournament uh hurt us financially as well normally it would be in in uh St. Paul at the Excel Energy Center home of the Minnesota Wild and you know put uh you know several thousand fans in there and that's that's a big revenue maker for the conference each year and having to cancel that certainly altered our plans and have to kind of adjust how we do things even even looking at this year so that's kind of putting a wrap on last uh last season and then yeah like you said firing up and, and getting ready to go this year it was a longer off season I guess than than I'm used to and I think most of us are used to obviously we'd be over a month into the season in a normal year by now so the fact that we're a week into November and haven't played any games is is a little weird I mean I I will say I've enjoyed some free weekends, which is kind of nice, but uh, <laughs> but but I think I'm ready to get back to the hockey. I mean, it's been since March, so what is that, almost seven seven months we're going on now where we haven't had any hockey. So um, yeah, we're, we're excited to get going. Like I said, we got our countdown. We're 23 days away uh, from dropping the puck at Baxter Arena. Um, we'll be announcing our schedule tomorrow, so hopefully fans can see that and get excited. And yeah, we're trying to... Reengage the fan base. It's you know it's unique. I think everyone's kind of out of sync with the pandemic and you know what are the priorities and we realize you know in the grand scheme hockey's not the biggest thing and you know there's health and safety of our student athletes but also you know everyone out there and so um, trying to be sensitive to that but also get get fans excited and we feel we've you know got a good plan for the season and certainly for the start of it that, that we can get the season started in a safe way. So we're excited to get going and get the fans excited, and uh, we think our student-athletes will, will be excited about it as well. Okay. You, you uh, let as long to, as a, you brought up – <laughs> I think
1: okay. you're going to say the same thing, Paul, but <laughs> as long as you brought up the, uh, the bubble, uh, it, it, another quick two-parter, but how much did the NCHC uh, look at what the NHL was doing and the success of their bubble environment – create what you guys have done at least uh up until the new year with the bubble at uh, baxter arena in omaha
2: yeah so uh great question i will say we're, we're trying to avoid using the term bubble too much or really calling it a bubble simply for the fact that kind of as you reference so the nhl and the nba had quote unquote you know true bubbles where they're testing everyone involved including the hotel staff and those you know kitchen staff and the cooks and everyone serving food you know. We're, unfortunately, we, this is not you know, feasible and practical for us. So, so we're calling it more of a pod um, because we're not going to be able to test literally everyone. Uh, but we certainly looked at what the NHL did. In fact, uh, you know, our pod will be at Baxter Arena in Omaha and, and several staff members at the University of Nebraska. Omaha had a call with staff members at the NHL to ask several questions about, um, you know, how they ran things, how they operated things, how did they you know, make sure teams get in and out of locker rooms without crossing each other. With you know, so many games going on and so many teams there and everything. And, um, so there definitely was has been some communication between uh, the NHL and and uh, our staff and, and the hosts at Omaha to to get some ideas on how they operated and how to keep everyone safe, uh, student athletes and everything like that, and keep keep COVID out. Hopefully, um, so yeah. So there there's definitely been some things looking at at how that was done and how that was performed, but. Um, We feel with the testing protocols and everything we have in place for our student athletes and staff and and whatnot, um, we feel the pod will be uh, a safe place. We're mitigating a lot of risk. We'll have stringent testing protocols for student athletes and staff, um, limiting access to media and and other people who, uh, maybe from the the outside world, so to speak, would would normally be able to engage with, with student athletes and coaches. They'll be limited. So, um, yeah, just trying to, to take as much as we can from the NHL, but knowing we won't be able to necessarily test you know, all the hotel staff where, where players are staying or all the meal staff that may be preparing the meals, but but certainly doing the best we can to, to mitigate risk and, and keep the uh, pod safe for everyone.
0: Well, the, that is kind of the, the question I was going to ask. Uh, outside of the Big Ten, which is the closest to a pure conference.
2: Multi-sport, yeah.
0: That – that college hockey has because the other conferences all have schools that are in different conferences for most of the other sports. How much – and what went into some of the juggling that probably had to happen because, you know, Ohio – Miami is in the MAC and Western Michigan is in the MAC, but North Dakota is not Division I in all of their other sports. Uh, How much – How much of a struggle was it to coordinate all those various uh, protocols and league protocols and and local protocols in terms of uh, testing and keeping the student-athletes safe?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, it's definitely one that's taken a lot of meetings and and time with athletic directors and our commissioner. and. Uh, just one quick correction: North Dakota is is all Division One, uh, in all I'm schools,
0: sorry, I but, apologize for that. Uh,
2: the, but but Colorado College, who, who I know you guys cover, is Division Three uh, in in other sports other than men's hockey and, and women's soccer. Um, and we do have two Minnesota schools: Saint Cloud State, Minnesota Luther, Division Two in other sports. So you are correct that we actually have Division One, Division Two, and Division Three schools uh, in our conference. And so definitely, it makes things a little more complicated. You're dealing with different budgets. You're dealing with Uh, different multi-sport conferences and the decisions they make and how that affects the other teams on those campuses. Right. So you referenced the Mac, right. So Miami and Western Michigan, I mean, they're dealing with FBS football, you know, that's right. Potentially an even bigger importance to them than hockey. You know, we, we feel that, you know, all eight of our schools, hockey is the top priority or at least, you know, the one a priority, but, but I understand where football, FBS football certainly can, can stand in that. And so you know, they're dealing with that. We've got North Dakota, Denver, and Omaha, who are all in the Summit League. So, in one aspect, it's nice because all three of them are kind of on the same page. Um, but then, yeah, I got the, we got two D two schools and Colorado College is a Division three school, and so you're dealing with that. And um, we sp- I know more about testing than I probably I <laughs> ever would have wanted to know about COVID and <laughs> antigen and and PCR testing. And um, but yeah, our commissioner's done a great job of kind of working with the ADs on, on what, you know, what their needs are. So, you know, like you said, division two and division three schools uh, seem to be having a little tougher time getting the, the COVID tests that they need and the resources they need because their multi-sport conferences maybe don't have as easy access to those tests that the Mid-American Conference or the Summit League do that can supply Miami and Western Michigan and North Dakota. And so those schools can request through their multi-sport conferences, whereas we're handling maybe the Colorado College and Minnesota Duluth and St. Cloud State requests because it's not as easier for the D2 and D3 conferences um, to get those. So uh, I think maybe does that kind of answer your question a little bit of, of working through some of that. In, in terms of the protocols, we, you know, we've tried to follow what the NCAA protocols have been in terms of how many times we test and, and the types of tests. Um, and so we've developed our, our testing strategy and protocols a lot around that. Um, and that's kind of what we're planning on. I know the big 10 I think is testing either every day or maybe six times a week. And we're looking at three to four times a week in the pod, as well as kind of during our regular travel starting in January, uh, it'll be three times a week then I believe. So, which, which is what the NCA is, is either requiring or recommending right now. Um, well, so- no, it
0: definitely answers a question because it, it, these are, uh you know, there's a lot of folks listening, including myself, that this is minutia that we can't get anywhere else. So I want to understand the minutiae of it. Um, you should be, that's you should just be gra- the way my brain be, works, but...
2: You should be grateful you don't have to sit through those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I sit through enough but, teacher meetings. Believe me, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd rather I'm sit sure. through yours.
2: Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, you're right though. I mean, I, some people may find it interesting. It's, it, I mean, I guess to some extent it's interesting to to learn about the different tests and how they work and the effectiveness of, um, you know, an antigen test versus a P- PCR test is, you know, more effective An antigen is not as effective, but if you do it more often, apparently it's more of it, you know, catches things <laughs> more often. And so just looking at, you know, our different testing schedules and, and different strategies, but we'll certainly be uniform across you know, all eight of our team, well, certainly within the pod, part of the reason for the pod is, you know, we can control testing for everyone. It also allows our schools, kind of as you referenced, more time to get the supplies they need and their protocols in place and everything for how they're going to manage the testing once, you know, we go on campus and start traveling from place to place and they're responsible for the testing. So um, everyone will be on the same page in terms of, you know, how often we're testing and when we're testing. So, in terms of that, it's been great. The ADs have been great to work with and everyone understands you know how important this this is to having a successful season
0: now one so of them's got to medical... get you a medical degree.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm far from that. Our commissioner could talk much more about testing than I could. I, I just kind of sit there and listen to it. He, he's been meeting with doctors from the University of Nebraska Medical Center, and also he's got he's got deep, deep dive in the details there if you really want
1: to know. So, so Michael, you, you said that the schedules are coming out tomorrow, and we're all looking forward to that. So without giving too much away, can you kind of give us a, a – a layout of what the pod will be like. How many games will you be playing per day? How many day, days will be played? Will there be days off, obviously, somewhere along the line? And and it starts, if I'm not uh, uh, wrong on this assessment, it starts on the 1st of December?
2: You are correct. So, yeah, it'll run uh, almost three weeks, December 1st to December 20th, uh, at Baxter Arena, which is the University of Nebraska-Omaha's on-campus uh, or near-campus rink. Uh, Baxter Arena. So, uh, yeah, those three weeks, we will have games six days a week. Mondays will be kind of the one day that there won't be any games, kind of reset the week uh, for everyone. But, yeah, Tuesday through Sunday, we'll have have at least two games uh, almost every day, Tuesday through Friday, two games. And then Saturday, Sunday will be three games, uh, one game at a time. So you're looking at kind of a late afternoon and then an evening window on weekdays. And I think we're looking at noon, 4, and 8 p.m. Central time uh, for our game time windows on, on Saturday and Sunday. So, uh, you can park yourself in front of NCHC TV or <laughs> television and enjoy a, a triple header on the weekends here in December. But, uh, that's kind of what the schedule layout looks like in terms of, you know, how we, we broke it down. Each team will play 10 games in the pod, uh, against five different opponents. Uh, so two against five different opponents for 10 games total. Um, and the way we kind of looked at our schedule and, and it, it's kind of two parts. So you have the pod, which is obviously what's first and what a lot of people are looking at. And then we have quote unquote, your normal travel where, you know, team A travels to team B campus sites starting in January. Um, And so it's a 26 game conference schedule for each team overall uh, across kind of the two portions, 10 in the pod, and then 16 starting in January with the travel portion. Um, And just looking at the 26 games as a whole, because our conference is so spread out, as we've, we've kind of referenced, and you guys alluded to, we have teams in Ohio, Michigan, Colorado, and teams in between, uh, we kind of divided the conference up into divisions for just for scheduling purposes to help alleviate some travel. Um, and so the West division was Colorado College, Denver, who you guys cover, North Dakota, and Omaha. And then the East was the two Minnesota schools, St. Cloud State, Minnesota, Duluth, Miami, and Western Michigan. Um, And so everyone will play their division opponent six times throughout the season for 18 games, and everyone will play their cross-division opponent only two times for the other eight games. Um, So those eight plus 18 is your 26 games, and all the cross-division games will then be played in the pod to help alleviate travel. So the Colorado colleges and Denver games to Miami and Western Michigan those will all be played in the pod in Omaha to help alleviate travel. So that was some of the thought behind that. And then in the second portion, there'll still be some longer trips, but um, it's mostly bus trips. There may be a couple flights, but um, again, it's all divisional play. There won't be any cross divisional travel. So the trips shouldn't be nearly as long starting in January in the second half of the season. Uh, I
1: assume that Omaha. One quick follow up that uh, if I could Paul, Um, the, uh, is the entire schedule coming up, Michael, or are you're not doing like what the Big Ten did? Big Ten brought us up until the first of the year, and then uh, we don't know what's happening after that or what the schedule <laughs> is. I'm sure they do, but we don't. Uh, you're you're releasing the whole schedule tomorrow, or is it just the the, the pod schedule?
2: That is the plan as of, as of uh, tonight is, is to release the full schedule. So, yeah, we'll have the pod schedule as well as the second half schedule. Um, we, we feel that kind of makes sense partly because of what I just described a little bit in – how we yeah. looked at assembling the schedule and with the regional travel in the second half and the, the longer travel with the cross division games in the pod, it, it might look a little weird if we, you know, only released the pod <laughs> games and people would say, you know, why are they, you know, where, where are all these other games and, and why aren't they playing these teams? So, um, you know, we know we're going to have to be flexible. Uh, we see what's happening in college football. We're not naive to think that, you know, we may not have to move a series or postpone a series um, we've built in actually three uh, by weekends for all of our teams where they have, you know, the same off weekend or by weekends uh, in that second portion uh, starting in January uh, specifically. So we can have, you know, make up, if we need to make up games, we'll have weekends available to do that. Um, so, yeah, so we just felt like we're we're comfortable to a point where we can at least put, you know, who the opponents are going to be and, and, you know, what we think will be the dates of those games uh, pr- probably no times yet. Um, we're, we're close on the times of, of when the games in the pod will be, but still flushing out a couple things there. But at least people will be able to see when, when their team is playing on what day.
0: Uh, I assume Omaha, because you guys took a giant map and drew lines to see uh, how far each school was from <laughs> each city. Or was there a specific reason uh, other than geography for it? You don't even have to get into it other than just telling us yes, no.
2: <laughs> sure, no, geography certainly play, played a factor uh, in it. They are, I guess you would say, quote, unquote, the most centrally located, I guess, if you look at all our teams. Um, but honestly, the, the biggest reason was the University of Nebraska Medical Center being located right in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, as I mentioned, the health and safety of our student athletes and our staff and everyone involved is is of the utmost importance. And we felt like having – uh, a world-renowned center for infectious disease and, uh, you know, it's known for its, its research in, in, medical, in the medical field and, and diseases. Uh, having that right there in Omaha, you know, God forbid we have a problem or even just to help us, like I, I mentioned, our commissioner has been talking to some doctors at UNMC and they've been helping us flesh out our protocol and what makes sense and what are the safest ways to go about doing certain things. And so um, having them there, I think, was was honestly the number one reason Certainly, the, the geography and and you know all of our teams being able to bust there was was another consideration. and Teams not having to fly to the pod, um, but yeah, I, I can't stress the medical side and UNMC being there is is probably the biggest reason. And they'll be helping us collect you know specimens uh, with a with a partner there is called Regional Pathology Services, which is kind of a portion of UNMC. Uh, we'll actually be overseeing you know the on site testing and collection and, and all that. Um, so that we just felt. You know the most comfortable by having them right there, um, and and the University of Nebraska Omaha Chancellor Dr. Jeffrey Gold is also the UNMC Chancellor, and so he's been able to help us, uh, you know, procure some tests and and stuff, um, you know, at a, a cheaper lower cost maybe than we normally would on our own. So um, all of those kind of factors together, and and maybe one even s- smaller factor, but one other consideration is is the location of Baxter Arena. Within the city of Omaha, there's several hotels within walking distance to Baxter Arena as well as food options. And so um, we felt in trying to limit, you know, having to even get on a bus or um, travel to get to your rink this way, student athletes can walk from their hotel to the rink pretty easily and, and kind of on their own time. And so everything, all of those together, um, we just felt uh, the, the athletic directors and, and the board of directors, which is our presidents and chancellors, felt that Omaha was, was the best decision. Uh, how many okay, ice so, sheets
0: are in Omaha? Because team's got to practice, right?
2: Yep. So Baxter Arena has two sheets. Uh, okay. We'll only be playing one game at a time. Um, so we'll use their main main rink or main sheet for games, and then their secondary sheet, which is a normal full size uh, college you know college or NHL size rink, um, will be used for practice game or for practice time. So, yep two two rinks uh, all all in the same Baxter Arena facility. So, so, Michael, uh,
1: you know, when, when all this COVID stuff came about and then as uh, conferences and the NCAA and things started to uh, to reorganize and get ready for what was going to be uh, an unusual 2020-2021 season, uh, a lot of talk was out there about um, the independents. LIU came on board in April, uh, Arizona State and in independent. And and one thing the NCAA said, nobody will be left out. Everybody will have a chance to play. And uh, as we know, ASU uh, was adopted by the Big Ten or however they mutually agreed to go to the Big <laughs> Ten. But uh, sure. was there a discussion uh, with with ASU, too, uh, with you guys? Or, or
2: were you considering that? Or is that something you can talk about? Uh, yeah, I can touch on that a little bit. Certainly, you know, we understand the predicament that some of those independents that you referenced, Arizona State. And, yeah, we were thrilled to see Long Island University out of varsity team in the middle of the pandemic. I think maybe surprised a few people but certainly we're, we're happy to have another hockey team and, and Paul I mean you you out on Long Island I mean now you got a team to to, to watch in person right so
0: well uh if, if, if they let anybody in
2: well that's true that's true but, but down, down the road you'll have you'll have that opportunity oh,
0: I look forward to it I, I I actually when I actually go into the building I work and I'm like 10 minutes from the campus so yeah uh, that awesome. works out good for me
2: yeah, that's, uh, that should be good. I know they, they partnered with Atlantic Hockey, so we're happy to see they'll have some games to play as well. But to, to answer your question, we did have some initial discussions with Arizona State. Uh, you know, our, our commissioner deals more with that than myself. I'm not sure how far the, those discussions got, but certainly we understood the predicament they were in you know, with most conferences, including the Big Ten, uh, saying they weren't going to play non-conference games. Hockey East, I believe, has said they won't play any non-conference games. Um, so I know that wiped out a lot of their schedule. Uh, so we understood that the tough spot they were in, and, and we wanted to try and help them out. And given our location with Colorado College in Denver, you know, basically and Air Force, the closest teams to Arizona State, you know, somewhat we made made sense to to help with them. Um, you know how that would have worked, I'm not totally sure. Part of our issue is we are we have eight teams, um, and so adding. Arizona state to that mixes, it makes us an odd number at nine. And so then someone is kind of sitting on the sidelines every weekend or, you know, whenever you're playing, so to speak. Um, and so that was a little bit of, I think the, the tough spot we, we, we had. And now once we went to the pod route, um, I know we had a little discussion with them there because we, we thought, you know, maybe they would be able to come there and play some games, but ultimately they, they were able to, to come to a good agreement for them with, with the big 10 and, and went that route. So. Um, we did have a little bit of discussion with them. I don't know totally how far it got, but um, there was a little bit of discussion of them potentially coming to the pod, and, but but the odd number I think was, was a little bit of the sticking point there. The Big Ten with seven teams uh, could more easily accommodate, I think, Arizona State.
1: Yeah, that all totally makes sense. Um, before we let you go, I want to talk a little bit about hockey because uh, the polls have <laughs> come out in um, the last couple of weeks, and the NCHC has got some really um, – lofty teams if you will up top like you would normally see so tell us what you know um if you can and kind of a thumbnail of the teams uh, that are at the top north dakota denver minnesota duluth all of those uh normal powerhouses and what you expect out of them this year
2: yeah absolutely uh, it's great to see three of our teams there in the top top five top six of the preseason polls which i think is pretty much where they unfortunately left off last season with with some unfinished business i know at least uh, a couple of the schools felt that way but yeah i guess i'll start with with north dakota number one in both preseason polls they bring back um almost their entire team jordan kawaguchi who was the the hobie baker runner-up last year to minnesota Duluth scott perunovich uh, not to brag but another nchc guy who won it uh now you can brag all you want
1: i'm a umd alum so go ahead bragging up there you go and i'll i'll throw this out there (laughs) right now michael I'm, i'm 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 staring at my back-to-back national championship hat that I picked up this summer when I went back up to campus. So go ahead, go ahead and take it from there.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're happy to have a bulldog uh, leading the podcast here. But uh, but yeah, so they they uh, brought back Jordan Calguchi. I guess Jordan decided to return. Um, I, I know he had several offers to go pro. Um, he's, he's undrafted, so he kind of had his, his pick of teams. Um, But he decided to come back, I think, partly because, you know, like I said, they felt they had unfinished business. They didn't get to to win that national championship like they maybe felt they were on on path to or at least uh, in position to to have a chance to win. Um, So they bring him back. They bring back Matt Kirstead, Kirstead, excuse me, a senior defenseman who will be another undrafted player who had NHL offers and decided to come back. Um, And then they do have several talented drafted players. Jacob Bernard Docker, a first round pick of the Ottawa Senators. Shane Pinto was. The NCHC Rookie of the Year last season, also an Ottawa Senators draft pick, so uh, they bring back a lot of talent. And they also added some guys. They added Jake Sanderson on the blue line, who was uh, a top five pick, draft pick uh, in the past uh, this this or I guess last month now in October. Uh, uh, also going to Ottawa, they they like their North Dakota guys. So um, so yeah, North <laughs> Dakota. North Dakota is
0: like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah don't don't worry and don't worry about the calendar because nobody can keep track of it anyway. So don't worry about it.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, normally the draft is in June, so I was a little thrown off there, but, uh, but yeah, so, so North Dakota certainly have understand why everyone thinks they, you know, they they're at the top there and have a good chance to, to be there at the end. Uh, Minnesota Duluth, uh, I guess, technically still the two-time defending national champion since no one was crowned last year. Uh, they certainly lost uh, a bit more than North Dakota. As we mentioned, Scott Perunovich who did win the Hobie Baker last year, uh, turned pro after his junior season signed with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, they had a couple other guys uh, that turned pro Dylan Sandberg uh, on the blue line um, who signed with the Winnipeg Jets, Justin Richards, who was a junior signed with the New York Rangers. He was a forward, one of their top centermen, one of the top uh, face-off guys in the NCHC. So they definitely lost a couple guys, especially on the blue line, Nick Wolf, who was a senior signed with the Bruins. So they'll have some some holes to fill there. Um, but but they still have plenty of, plenty of firepower uh, up front. They have the Cates brothers, Nick Sweeney, who's a Minnesota Wild draft pick. Um, So they got, they got plenty of forwards. They got some young guys coming in who were drafted uh, in October um, to help fill that slot. And a couple guys who were lower uh, on their depth chart uh, on defense, just because of the talent that they had in guys like Perunovic and Dylan Sandberg and Nick Wolf, who had been there for three, four years uh, now moving on. And those guys will get a chance to move up and, and show what what they're capable of. But, but um, I think they'll, they'll be in good shape there. And then Denver being the, the third team kind of in that top five, top six, they also return uh, quite a bit of talent. Um, lost a couple guys uh, who turned pro, but but Bobby Brink will be one of their top scorers. He's a sophomore this year. Was runner up for NCHC Rookie of the Year last season. Uh, they bring back one of their goalies from last season, and then bring back uh, bring in, excuse me, uh, another goalie who's an NHL draft pick. Um, so Denver has has a lot of skill and speed uh, at the uh, at their forward position. Um, a lot of depth, um, and David Carl is really a, a young rising coach. Uh, in the making so i think uh they they've got a lot of a lot of talent and they'll be competing with those other teams there in the end
1: yeah that's uh that's usually the way it looks so uh, when you see the lineup but there's always some real strong competition from from the colorado colleges and and nebraska omaha and of course miami ohio and western brings it all the time so top to bottom the conference is in pretty good shape is that a fair assessment
2: yeah, I mean, we always feel you know anyone's capable of beating anyone on on any night. There's no no off nights. I mean, even you know the seventh and eighth place teams are gonna battle and give the first place teams a hard game and, and pull the upset every now and then. So um, there's no quote unquote cupcakes as some people might say uh, in other conferences or something like that. Every game is is definitely a battle. Battle, and you know every team has high quality. Uh, skilled players. I mean, teams like St. Cloud State, I think, you know, they had a little bit of a rebuilding year last year, but I think they'll bounce back and and, uh, be a contender this year. I think Omaha uh, should be strong this year. They bring back a a lot of guys and they had a really strong freshman class last year and a really strong, well, two strong freshman goalies uh, who will be back. So um, I think they'll be improved. You mentioned Colorado College. They bring back uh quite a few guys grant crookshank will be i think a three-time uh captain or two-time captain i can't keep track but a multi-time captain uh heading into this season and and i know they brought in a couple talented guys mike havlin's been getting them better year after year so uh yeah i think all the teams will be uh even the lower you know quote-unquote teams that finished lower in the standings last year will be be better this year and it'll be it'll be a tough fight to win the penners cup as it always is
1: Paul, do you have one more for well, Michael, and then I'll finish up well, with the,
0: I, just the arena thing? Yeah, no problem. Um, you know, as, as I was going to say, you know, everybody talks about the three teams in the top five, uh, but you also have uh, Western in in the top 20. And, you know, the other programs are, are also long-story programs, and each brings their own uniqueness, like St. Cloud plays on an Olympic sheet. Um,
2: As does CC. Yep. Well, at least and the Colorado colleges. There.
0: So yeah. th- these things, when you got to go on the road to play teams in this conference, there there are no days off.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with Ralph Engelstad Arena where North Dakota plays, and you know a lot of people think that's the toughest place to play. But I would say if you ask most players in our league, they'll tell you Western Michigan's Lawson Arena is is the toughest <laughs> place to play. At least at least when it's a packed barn with with the loss of not lunatics that. their their student section rocking. I mean, they are, they are probably the loudest uh, student section, or at least one of the loudest student sections in the country. Um, and they, they are prepared. They know who the opposing team it, players are. And then the chance and um, some are not always uh, safe for television or radio or the younger crowd, but it's, yeah. it's definitely entertaining. And yet yeah, it's, it's a hostile place, tough to play. I mean, uh, you know, Western Michigan, like you said, they're ranked uh, in the preseason. They had six guys sign NHL contracts this off season. So, um, they were very talented. They finished uh, fourth last season and lost you know a handful of guys. so maybe a little bit of a, a rebuilding year, but never, never kind out Andy Murray and a western team. They, they've still got plenty of guys coming back and bringing some guys in. So, um, yeah, it's Western is a tough place to play. I guess the only team I haven't really mentioned is is my old school Miami Chris Bergeron heading into his second year there. Um, you mentioned, you know, all our teams have some history there. Miami was, gosh, a minute away from a national championship yeah. eleven years ago. Yep. Um, and then went to back-to-back Frozen Forest, so they certainly have the tradition there and uh, a beautiful rink. I know maybe I'm a little a little biased having worked That's okay. there, but um, you know, all our facilities are great, but um, they, have, they have a nice rink, and um, I'm sure Chris will get them them back uh, towards the top of the standings here in the next uh, couple of years.
0: Okay, well, here's you know, my last me... league-wide question. Hold on, Scott. All right. Besides the money, I'm probably going to have to dish out for NCHC TV. How many games <laughs> are, are expected – this year to be on uh, the involved in the CBS uh, sports network deal?
2: How many games will be on CBS sports network? Yeah. Uh, So our contract with them uh, calls for eight games. Okay. Um, So that's, that's what I would expect. Uh, I know our commissioner has been in communication with them, obviously given the the challenges of putting a schedule together this season and uh, just kind of all sports in general, Um, We we haven't been able to finalize which games will be on there yet, but uh, I think we're planning on having our eight games as usual. Typically, they don't start showing our games until kind of that second half of the season, starting in kind of mid-January, once college football wraps up a little bit. Um, So I I suspect that'll be the plan. Um, I know there has been a a little bit of discussion about whether they would take a couple games from the pod in Omaha, but but I'm not sure that that, that'll happen. So I I would guess that we'll have – Kind of our eight games on CBS Sports Network Friday nights. Uh, I suppose maybe some Saturday nights or Thursday nights uh, with the uniqueness of the season. But uh, that that'll kind of be the plan. One game per week is is typically what we kind of try and to have kind of that set set weekly schedule. So hopefully we'll we'll have that here in the next couple weeks and and get that worked out.
0: And for and, and I assume that that does not include the conference tournament. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So okay.
2: Eight regular season games. And then, yeah, CBS Sports Network uh, has always broadcast our frozen face-off, both semifinals and the championship game. So 11 games altogether. Okay.
1: Yep. Okay. Well, we appreciate your time. I uh, I know we kept you longer than we probably anticipated, but like I said, we had a lot to talk about. So <laughs> thanks for hanging yeah, no. in there with us, Michael. The, the final question I had for you is, uh, like I said, I've been through Colorado Springs a couple of times this summer as I passed through to Minnesota. And, Um, That facility that's coming up at Colorado College is, to me, it's just unbelievable and it's the epitome of college hockey because I grew up in northern Minnesota and when I see that building on that very small campus but yet (laughs) built right in the residential area of of, of town, how excited is the conference and you guys as a whole to have that new building and that new environment right there at Colorado College?
2: Yeah, I actually got a tour of it uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's, it's going to be a beautiful barn for sure. Uh, you know, I mentioned I, I really like Miami's, and, and it's going to be, I think, pretty similar to that. So it, it should be absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's got a, you can see the, see the mountains right outside there. Like you said, it's right on campus. I know some of the freshmen and sophomores live across the street from it in their dorms. Um, they're going to have their own uh, or at least a workout facility right there in the building uh, in Robeson Arena. Um, I think it's going to seat about 3,500 people. Um, and then they'll also kind of have some standing room around the concourse level where people can sit and have a drink and kind of have like bar stools and a little bar ledge or uh, bar top there. Um, so they will have some suites, um, it, it, a nice press box really should be, be top notch. Um, I know the, the staff at CC is, is really excited about it. Uh, like I said, I got a tour of it. Um, the, the locker rooms are going to be great. Uh, CC will have like their own video room, um, their own kind of player lounge area with a big television. So uh, lots of uh, lots of nice things that uh, players want to see when they're making their decision as to where they want to go play college hockey and uh, certainly see a lot of our schools with, with those types of facilities these days. So uh, I think it'll be nice for Colorado College to have that on-campus facility. Uh, for those that may not know, that currently or for the last several years, they've played at the Broadmoor World Arena, which is a a great uh, facility and a a great uh, arena, but it's not on campus. They have to bus their students to games. Uh, They don't have complete control over the facility, um, that sort of stuff. So this will be much better for them, a little more intimate with a little bit smaller capacity um, and certainly the amenities that that they're looking for with an on-campus arena.
1: Well, I'm certain you understand that uh, Arizona state is uh, getting very close to breaking ground on their building and, uh, we're excited about that. We're always excited about new buildings. So, thanks again for spending some time with us. And uh, you know, don't be a stranger. Hopefully, you're going to let me in at some point at the uh, at the pot. I'll keep knocking <laughs> until maybe somebody lets me in. <laughs> yeah.
2: We'll have some media there. So I'm sure we can, I'm sure we can squeeze you in. we'll have some, we'll have some definite strict protocols in place, but we will have media on hand there. So.
0: Bring well, your doctor's I would
2: definitely notes.
1: I'm forward to that. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, your mask. Uh, and your mask. And your mask. And your
1: mask. <laughs> well, I have plenty of those, so I'm all set for that part. But Michael Wiseman, thanks for, uh, for joining us. Uh, you're welcome on the show anytime. If there's anything you want to ever bring up about NCHC, uh, we're here Sunday nights. We're also on Tuesday nights. And, We've we're gone through the list. We're hoping to get Coach Carl on for Tuesday night, but we've had, uh, uh, let's see, Coach Powers. We've had Coach Haviland. We've had uh, Frank Ceratori last, night, last Tuesday night, and we're hoping David uh, – I
0: don't know if we uh, lost him again, lost but him? we run the gamut. Uh, we uh, might so, have. But, Frank, yeah. uh, F- I'm back. Frank must Frank Sertori. Frank, <laughs> yes. Oh.
2: yes, Frank Frank Sertori is always interesting, so I, I I might have to check that one out because I can imagine that yeah. was good for a laugh or two. Yeah. He is always
0: he's oh for sure something else. Yeah, I, I'm for glad sure. that, I'm
2: glad that we're here in Colorado Springs and he's here in Colorado Springs. Yeah. I, I run across uh, paths with him when CC plays, or, or I know his son, so we we see each other every once in a while. So it's always always good to see Frank and get a laugh from him.
1: All right. Yeah, for sure. We definitely appreciate your time. Uh, Be safe out there. and We'll look forward to uh, seeing that schedule tomorrow and seeing games
2: in the pod very, very soon. Absolutely. Well, Paul and Scott, I appreciate you guys having me on here and appreciate the coverage you give to CC and Denver and college hockey as a whole. And it's great to see Arizona state growing and, and building that facility. And, Um, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. I appreciate it, guys.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: All right. Take care. Folks,
1: at the uh, director of communications for the NCHC, Michael Wiseman, joining us. Paul and I are going to take a real quick break, and we'll come right back and wrap up another episode of College Hockey Southwest Live. Well, maybe we will. We're having a little uh, technical yeah, Well, difficulty. that was a really quick break. <laughs> wasn't it. Well, I was going to play something for us here, but uh, we're having all kinds of problems on the technical side tonight. So I don't know what the problem uh, is, but uh, we're back. Uh, oh, look at here. Bell Ford wow. okay, jumped off. We on. know
0: problem Hold on. Belfort, the
3: Arizona Ford giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at belford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year.
1: Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right year for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at
3: BehindTheMask.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist,
1: Visit us at mexicanmoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Canción Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Live, our Sunday night podcast covering NCAA hockey. Paul, it's exciting because next Sunday night there will be a hockey game going on, I believe. Uh, well, we're we, – we still don't know the time, but uh, either before, during, or after our, uh, our show next week. So that'll be
0: fun, huh? Well, who knows? I mean, let's 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 hope that uh, there are games next weekend. Uh, I, I, at this point, I don't take anything for granted, schedule or no schedule. Uh, the uh, the season's supposed to start next week, and I'm knocking on wood here that uh, <laughs> it does happen. Uh, there's there's a, it's it's exciting stuff, obviously, because the season starts. Uh, and from an ASU perspective, since we, you know, the the two uh, NCHC schools will not be playing till December 1st, um, there's the uh, ASU start of the season as their season kicks off at Michigan. You know, nothing like going right into the fire right off the bat. <laughs> Number and, 12 uh, team in the
1: country.
0: Are, yeah, and there are, some, well, just about every team in that league is ranked, so... Um, and there's some Atlantic Hockey uh, games next weekend as well. Uh, I'd have to I have to refresh my memory on whether or not Air Force is playing next weekend, but I know that Army is playing LIU and LIU's first game on Saturday night. So you know that's always cool when you have an expansion team, so to speak, uh, playing its first game. Uh, and I'm kind of an expansion geek. Like I uh, was deep into the Golden Knights until they played. I'm not – don't root against them. But, you know, I, I like, as I said during the interview with Michael, I like that kind of minutiae and sitting there and trying to figure out the expansion drafts and, 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 and we you know, all, who are they going to take here and what are they gonna,
1: We all know that you, have your, crack in, up you and, have your Kraken
0: jersey too by now, right? Uh, well, I don't um, – <laughs> I do have a a Sinbin shirt from our buddy Ken Belkey. And, yeah, I'm spending way too much money on ASU jerseys right now. So I don't know if there's a lot of money left in the budget uh, for cracking stuff. Plus, i got to dish out a few few extra bucks now for NCHC TV. Right. And... so the the budget's getting stretched thin for those cracking shirts, but I'm sure I'll get one eventually. <laughs> well, here's,
1: here's the biggest thing I took away. And I know we're, and, we're over, over our time limit as we speak. But, yeah. It was,
0: so it's a podcast,
1: but here's a, here's the thing uh, that I took away from, uh, from Michael is that uh, everybody's taking a little different approach. I mean, uh, Atlanta hockey is taking off right now. They're just going to go play, and they're taking protocols and safety measures and all of that. But they're just doing their
0: they're just doing their thing, like like on their own. Uh, I know the ECAC has some issues because they have Ivy League schools in it. Hockey East has Ivy League schools thing, in it, I believe, so they have problems. But the thing with the NCAC,
1: they're the only one to take on the pod, and I'm glad he uh, he clarified the difference between a pod and a bubble. That's why I brought up the word bubble, because right. I knew that he would clarify it. Uh, him and I had talked uh, right. off off uh, air uh, earlier this week, and I told him I was going to do that so he could explain the pod situation. So I'm excited about that. I mean, uh, my proposed schedule is after Thanksgiving is to catch Arizona State and Wisconsin, which I think could be the biggest crapshoot as far as uh, media getting in, strictly because Wisconsin is a mess right now, uh, COVID-wise. Oh, yeah, well. Uh, and then and then also uh, take in uh, the Notre Dame series and then uh, jump on over to Omaha and catch as many as I can there to see um, you know Denver and Colorado College obviously but also the other teams to get a real good feel for them and then on my way back to Arizona stop in and catch uh, the US national team development uh, program taking on uh, Air Force uh, I think that'll be a real fun uh, fun weekend as well so hopefully, We'll have a lot of
0: coverage for you and well, as much as we can get uh, live. Well, listen, did Bell Ford supply a driver for that SUV that we got? Because, yeah, me. me. Uh, I, I know that. I, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, they should have frequent ground miles, right? I mean, because um, Well, totally smokes. Well, if it, um, and it, we didn't even get into, by the way, the Board of Regents vote uh, in Arizona uh, for. Uh, basically making ASU's building official. And if you've been listening to our podcasts all along, uh, we've said that the unofficial timeline was was November. Maybe not, uh, we might have said it was t- that's when they planned yeah. to put shovels in the ground.
1: And I, but, that might happen, Paul uh, well, that might be like uh the, the last week in November, it could happen.
0: Well, it, the 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 planning and finance committee approved the stadium slash arena whatever you want to whatever phrase you want to use for ASU's on campus facility, which will be next to where Packard Stadium was. I don't think it's going to be in that corner, but no, I think it's it'll in be the next block. to where Packard Stadium. Yeah, in the parking yeah, lot. Well, it'll block. be right next to where Packard Stadium is. Yeah, and right and next to the uh, there is another structure. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. I the, the parking structure wasn't there 30 years ago, so um,
1: there's a lot of things that weren't there 30 know, years ago. <laughs> I know, I'm aware,
0: uh, and I, I never had, and, and I wasn't there long enough. To get the geography of the parking lot now, and I, I only know I, my car spent a lot of time in that <laughs> parking lot when I was a student. You know what? Uh,
1: I, I'm going to get out there and take some pictures this week and send them to you and get them on the website as well okay. as we get ready to start the uh, the process. But
0: yeah, that's really exciting news. So it's about as it's about as official as you can get.
1: It'll it'll be very official uh, on the 18th and, uh, when the full right. board meets and, to do the approval, and hopefully we'll have uh, Frank Ferrara on. Shortly after that, I've requested him uh, for some time after that meeting when he can go into a little more detail about what's going on. So hopefully we get him on either a uh, Sunday night or Tuesday show.
0: Right. And, of course, that official full Board of Regents vote takes place on a Wednesday <laughs> because everything takes place on a Wednesday. Right. Uh, if it and, has to do with NCAA hockey, it does anyway. <laughs> yeah, it seems anyway. So... Um, that was the big ASU news this week. Uh, the article uh, that was published said that the, uh, that the actual building is supposed to start in January. But once that vote takes place on the 18th, I don't know what would stop them based on weather or preparations or whatever from, from starting a few days or a few weeks earlier. Uh, the one piece of information that was in those articles that I, that I or we or whoever that came actually as a surprise, is that they've already sold the naming rights to the building. Yeah, yeah, that and was good. Uh, for, I mean, good for them, obviously, because and I, and I believe the quoted price was sixteen million dollars, so that's pretty good. Yeah, well, for a building that's not there yet.
1: If you remember, uh, back in the in the uh, start of this pandemic mess. I said uh, a couple of things that that building would do is it would create revenue instead of being a revenue draw. There you go. Uh, the naming rights is a revenue increase, not, not a uh, expenditure. So that's a plus yeah. for the athletic department. Uh, also it'll put people to work, which needs to happen down here uh, like it does uh, most of the country. Everywhere so, else. So that's a good thing. And, and like I said, uh, you know, the 18th, they'll have their final vote. And then, um, we'll we'll bring on Frank Ferrara, and he'll give us uh, as many details as he can. So that'll be an exciting show whenever that is uh, uh, sometime before Thanksgiving, I hope. So anyway, that, that kind of wraps everything up uh, for tonight. Uh, Game action, hopefully next week, fingers crossed. Um, Arizona State State headed to Michigan, then Michigan State. Uh, Then they'll go to Wisconsin and then Notre Dame and then Penn State and then Ohio State. And that'll close out 2020 for them. And then hopefully we'll know, What's going to happen in 2021? And like I said, hopefully we can get down to uh, Omaha and see some NCHC stuff. I think that's really exciting to have. Mul.
0: Yeah, well, it's good you get to see a bunch of teams at the same time. Uh, We'll not not leave the building. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, not leave the building. Yeah, no, I get it. It'll be like tournament time. So, okay. Um, Well, unless you got, unless you got something else, take it away, my friend. College Hockey Southwest Live on the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network it is brought to you by Bell Ford, the presenting partner of the Sunday special. Visit BellFord.com and explore the 2021 return of the legendary Ford Bronco. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, 100% blue agave, is used to make our unique tastes. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com. To order any of our three award winning flavors, buy Verizon Wireless, the 5G coverage America has been waiting for. Behind the mask, ice, in line, in the net, or up the ice. Whatever your hockey needs are, see our Three Valley locations or behindthemask.com. College Hockey Southwest Live and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com podcasts are available on the Podbean app and are available for download at iTunes, the Google Play Store. Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and the iHeartRadio app. And also on the TuneIn app, ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. College Hockey Southwest Live and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well said, my friend. A couple of quick housekeeping things for you. I
1: will be joining professional hockey, college hockey, and club hockey uh, podcast from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, Wednesday, Thursday – or Wednesday, Tuesday, and oh, – Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. There we go. Um, this week. So that'll be a lot of fun, hopefully, uh, opening up the new Henderson facility up there. Lifeguard Arena will be on Tuesday. Tomorrow is also the Big Ten Hockey Media Day, so hopefully we'll have a little clips from there, at least from the Michigan side, which is the first opponent for Arizona State. And uh, finally, we want to uh, – say to everybody out there that the, the we know the COVID numbers are rising, so continue to wear your masks, continue to social distance, do everything that you can to be safe, and let's hope that we get our uh, college hockey season out and underway as quickly as possible. We'll say goodnight with a little uh, De Niro from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Paul, uh, we want to thank you. We also want to thank our special guest, Michael Wiseman, the uh, Director of Communications from the NCHC Hockey Conference. Have a good night.
0: Have a good night, folks. Thank you.